welcome everyone to episode five of Exploring the Cap. I am your host, Kyra Nankovell, and I'm joined today by Private Basic Solderholm. And I just have a few announcements before we kick it off today. First of which, happy holidays. I hope everyone was around love and good food this holiday season. And I also wanted to shout out the Facebook group. So I don't know if there's many other Facebook groups out there where you can have aspiring members interacting with current members of the Canadian Armed Forces. And that's something really special that we have in our Facebook group. I'll link it in the bio. It's also on the Instagram page and the YouTube. So check that out. Join. Everyone is welcome. Secondly, I wanted to shout out Calf Clothing Store, which is a new brand for Canadian Armed Forces merchandise. So you can check that out. They're doing a giveaway right now. And lastly, I got a new microphone. So hopefully the podcast quality and the YouTube video audio are much better now. Um, and I'm looking forward to testing it out today. So without further ado, today's episode, we are joined today by Private Basic Solder Home. And I'm going to let him introduce himself, just going through kind of his rank, his unit, what his trade is, and all that good stuff. So over to you. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I am Private uh, Basic Steve Soderholm. Um, currently completed uh, BMQ uh, July of 2022. So I'm currently on PAT platoon or personnel awaiting training just for my DP1. Uh, and um, I am uh, infantry, or I guess infantier now is, is what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And some of you guys might be wondering, like, why am I having someone a bit less experienced on the show today? And honestly, I thought it would be pretty nice to have someone fresh out of BMQ to kind of give some insights, share some stories, because I know that is a big point of hesitation and curiosity among the people in our community. So I think that's what we're going to try and focus on today, go through some stories, kind of what it looks like, and get a regular force perspective, because I have had um, quite a few reservists. So it'd be good to have a regular force member share his story and pathway. So just to start off, um so you're an infantier which is awesome we love having infantiers on the show your regular force you've been in for about 10 months now you just completed bmq and i did notice as we were talking offline that you actually did your bmq at cfb shiloh manitoba now for people on the show uh or sort of for the audience you guys might be wondering like where is that what is that because you've probably only heard of saint jean for regular force members especially well, I'm going to get Private Basic Solder Home to kind of walk you through what it was like doing basic training out there and maybe why you were also um, kind of sent out there for your basic, if you don't mind explaining that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was probably a split between COVID, just trying to kind of split things up. They were trying to move things around. And then another unique thing was we were all infantry. We had one combat arms, right? So I think that was probably another thing. But yeah, I was expecting to go to Saint-Jean. I was told I was going to Saint-Jean until about a week before. You know how things always change, right? And yeah, I didn't have time to prepare. I didn't do any research. I didn't know anything about it because it was an actual CFB. So you couldn't get much information. And we were only the second BMQ to happen there, right? So nobody knew anything about it. You couldn't ask a friend. Like there was just no information, right? So right from the beginning, it was crazy and unique. Like most of the time at Saint-Jean, people would start rolling in, you know, Friday, Saturday, by Sunday, everybody's there. You do that initial course. We had a couple people meet us there from a different base going through a recourse, but otherwise we all met at the Winnipeg airport. We all jumped on the white government of Canada bus and we all left the airport. Yeah, we all left the airport together. So that was crazy. And then on the bus there yeah well, we're gonna put a movie on we watched the first top gun everybody was chilling we were like yeah this is awesome took the two-hour bus ride whatever there and then <laughs> the two sergeants were yeah this is where this is this is the artillery museum this is where this is and then a second that bus stopped the first shark attack everybody off the bus we just got ripped apart and it was unique because we were all together for the bus ride and going there and that's when you could see everybody like okay we're not watching top gun anymore <laughs> like this is it right so yeah it was pretty it was pretty crazy yeah it's definitely a unique and different experience than most regular force people have and i think that's interesting because we can dive more into it so you got off the bus and you're saying that it was mostly infantiers right and who was running your course so it was a mix of um, 
master bombardiers and sergeants from one RCHA, and then we had um, and then we had um, master corporals and sergeants from two VP out in Shiloh. So it was all combat arms, right? So like most, from what I know, I could be wrong, but most BMQs, you get your normal kit, right? Your tack vest, all that stuff. We were getting vests for Kevlar plates and Kevlar plates, right? Like they were trying to prep us for DP1, right? So like right off the bat, we're like, hey, this isn't normal. Like, and yeah, it was crazy. Like we rolled in at like midnight probably so it was dark we didn't have our bearings we had to walk to the shacks nobody knew what was going on like we slept maybe three hours and then it was like go time the next morning and yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty wild the entire time yeah that sounds a little nerve-wracking like what were you feeling were you excited because I know you were waiting for quite some time to kind of get involved with the calf and everything so were you excited nervous what was the mood like yeah I was excited especially for me because I was 35 right so I knew kind of what to expect and I knew you know this was the plan it was the idea they were going to come at you and then it would kind of get better but you could see some of the kids right you could see some of their eyes like okay uh oh like what was I getting into and we lost two people that first night VR like I'm done tapped out right away and then we probably lost 20 people 15 20 people within the first three weeks yeah we were running every day we were running between five and ten kilometers every morning just for wow. morning PT and then, you know, the rocks and all that stuff. Right. So yeah, it was That's a very it, intense basic. <laughs> My basic, yeah. we were definitely not running five to 10 kilometers every morning. My uh, BMOQ mod two was a different story, but my first course, yeah, we were definitely not doing that. So that's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty aggressive start for the fitness side for sure. Um, do you feel like you were prepared from the fitness side? Cause I know I see some comments and stuff in our community where but like, oh, what what areas should I work out? Like, what should I do to prepare? Is there anything that you did in particular? And how did you feel when you started doing all the physicality? Um, I'd always been somewhat pretty physical and, you know, sports and all that stuff throughout my whole life. So, but obviously being older, I had taken some, some years off, right? So I had a little bit of weight to lose and just the running. I mean, trying to prepare yourself just for BMQ obviously isn't the right idea in my opinion, right? You got to kind of push past that because it's going to be an everyday thing, right? But yeah, the running, obviously, um, it's really not like it was before, I think, in my opinion, as far as from the punishment aspects, like, you know, back on the shows on YouTube and stuff, we used to watch it was 50 push-ups, 50 push-ups, 50 push-ups, not so much necessarily like that anymore. Um, it can happen if, <laughs> you know, if you don't meet timings or you're not doing things you're supposed to be doing, of course, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more cardio based as well. A lot of running depends on, on your trade too, right? Like, for us being combat arms and being infantry, yeah, you're going to be doing those ruck marches, you're going to be hiking, you're going to be running. So it was better for them to kind of just get us used to that every day, then only do it two, three times and then get to DP1 and you're like, oh man, you're running 20 kilometers, like, you know, so it was, it was good to help kind of prepare for that for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know there's this, um, there's this theory about, you know, if you have to do something hard once in a while, you get really anxious about doing it. But if you know that every single day, you're going to have to show up and do that hard thing, it just kind of becomes a routine and you start to accept it. So I think like good on them. I think that was the right approach. And for anyone who's kind of training, like maybe start trying to do a hard thing every day, just work on like the mental side as well, because when you're left in the instructor's hands, you don't really know what's going to happen. But I think, <laughs> I think like a, a good mindset and kind of expect difficult things. Like you joined the military. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And you said that. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's 100% the mindset. And like, we didn't start getting weekends till probably week seven. Wow. So week six, maybe week seven. So you got to figure we were going 19 hours a day, seven days a week, right? until that first weekend so yeah week one sucks even from that physical stuff week two then by the time week three it's just like it's just you're on autopilot right like you're just so used to doing it that like right you expect it and because it's a mindset right once you just understand the fact that like I have to do this it is what it is you just got to deal with it mm -hmm. yeah it just it makes it a lot easier and you did say you're a little bit older when you went into this course <laughs> how did that come into effect because I had my first episode actually um, with 2LT Hoffman. She was a bit older when she joined as well. And she said, you know, there were some older people in her training as well, but she also felt kind of like the mom. Did you kind of feel like the dad or how did that play out? <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> did kind of early on. Um, and I knew that was kind of going to be 
the case. I think too, for a lot of people, I, I am kind of, I do have experience in different things, being kind of a nerd and a gamer and, you know, playing music and, and things like that. So I could kind of relate to them. So I think sometimes a lot of them would just kind of come to me or talk to me or things like that. But yeah, it, it was, it was kind of fun like that. And then unique in the sense that I would be older or the same age as a lot of my staff. Right. So like there was a sense, especially near the end where I would kind of like connect with them a little bit more than some of the other people, just because like we played the same video games growing up or, or whatever. So like, yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty unique, but yeah, there was, you know, 18, 19 year olds, couple early twenties. I think there was like a 25 and then a 28 year old and then me at 35. Yeah. So you don't see it too often, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad I was able to get through that. <laughs> yeah. So there's a testament to everyone who's a little bit older, maybe a little bit more nervous about joining. You can do it. I mean, he had a pretty tough basic being run by combat <laughs> arms. Trust me. It's a different beast. Um, <laughs> For my BMOQ, we started off before COVID being run by a SIGS unit. So it was like, okay, right? And then after COVID, it got taken over by an infantry unit. <laughs> and let me tell you, there's a large difference between how those two parts of the course were run. Um, not that one's better or worse than the other. It's just no. different. Like I found like the SIGS were more um, trying to drain you like cognitively, especially because we were an officer course. But then with the infantry, it was just overload like physical stuff and like still the cognitive side because you still have to perform and everything but yeah you'll get you'll get a little bit of variance depending on who runs your course for sure um and you know if you're going to St. John then you might have different elements being involved with your training so that could be a different thing too altogether so if you are going through basic training let us know like how it's going what you're feeling and if you're experiencing anything similar to what we're talking about here the next thing I kind of want to go into is were you issued all your kit and stuff before you arrived at the training center or did you get it <laughs> right when you came off the bus type of thing? No, our kit was, our kit was day two, three, four, mm. as far as combats, tack vests, day bags, stuff like that. A lot of stuff, to be quite honest, some people went the entire course without, um, there was a guy who went his entire course without combat boots. They didn't have combat boots in his size. They couldn't find them. Keep in mind, this is a base, right? So all of their kits going out to people deploying in and out all the time, there's more prior, higher priority, right? And uh, we understood that, right? But yeah, there was a guy who, you know, it is what it is, right? So like, yeah, so most of the stuff, yeah, we got within probably two or three days. But yeah, there was stuff I went, the entire course without whatever it is what it is right so, right you know once you're done your training and you get to battalion it's a different story right this is specific training gear it's it's a completely different different story right but but yeah that was always curious not being at saint jean being at an actual cfb where it's not all about the training and don't get me wrong they were obviously amazing and we had everything we needed right but of course that's not going to be essentially maybe the priority right so we just kind of had to understand that and deal with that right yeah, it makes sense. And can you kind of tell us, like, give us a visual of what that base actually looks like? Like, how is a base different than, like, St. John, for example? Yeah, I think it's just, it's because it is an active, I guess, base, and there is artillery and there is infantry. You do have, obviously, like, your core area where you'll have the gym, and then there's, like, a little mini mall area that's got, like, the Canex and kind of all that stuff. And then, but yeah, you've got your artillery stuff, you've got museums, you've got your, you've got a 18 whole golf course that's absolutely i mean you're in the middle of the prairies in manitoba right so there's a lot of property a lot of just flat grounds and uh i will say this it was my second day there so like our first actual day we were leaving the shacks going back to this building and i'd always heard like the west were kind of like the cowboys and the kind of they do their own thing and we all we all kind of heard that right and like i could hear this like it sounded like a quad, like a dirt bike. And I turn around and there's people in combats on dirt bikes, just going about their business on base, like going, going to course or going wherever. Right. And it's just like, they get things done, but they do, they do it their own way. And I was like, this is really unique. Like you wouldn't see that at St. Jean by the mega, or you wouldn't see that, you know, like certain RCR, you, you just wouldn't see that. Right. So like, yeah, we knew, uh, 
it was going to be a fun summer for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of cool though, because you can kind of see what you might experience later when you're done your training, you actually get posted to one of the bases and everything. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. And why did you choose to join the army and the infantry specifically rather than other trades or elements? Sure. Yeah. So, so when I was, I don't know, maybe 18, 19, I had papers filled out. Like back then you had to like hand bomb everything, right? This was probably like 2007, maybe something like that. And I just decided to, for me, it would probably be best to just kind of gain some real life experience, maybe join the workforce. And then quite honestly, life just happened, you know, like moved here, moved there, like COVID happened. My you know, sister had kids, whatever, whatever. And then I was like, yeah, I'm 35, 34, whatever. I should probably do this. And infantry was something I always wanted to do and even army because it's just really like kind of conducive to my lifestyle just being outside in the hiking and just you know we always chirp the other elements it's like if you want to be air force then you're in a five-star hotel and you know what I mean I, I, I didn't want to do navy I don't want to be in those cramped quarters so like being out in the tent and yeah I was just like I said it was conducive to my lifestyle and obviously I knew that you know combat arms and infantry specifically especially early on like your dp1 and that's it's the hardest trade right physically mentally like I knew that I had people being like man you're crazy like especially at your age you're crazy you're crazy you're crazy well yeah I am crazy you have to be crazy to join the military in some capacity obviously right but like yeah it's just something I always wanted to do and I figured yeah I just gotta pull the trigger now and uh and yeah like I said we're we're riding the ride we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah you never really know what's gonna happen with the Canadian Armed Forces <laughs> <Nope>. yeah <laughs> like uh, there's a lot of you know kind of last minute things you have to adapt to you get used to kind of working with what you're given for sure um so going that's back what to I really sorry that's what I really love there's an aspect of like you kind of hear especially in combat arms like it's kind of has like that football player in high school stigma where they're just they're idiots and they're just bodies and stuff like that but like you don't realize how much you have to think on the fly and you have to kind of be a MacGyver and like okay well I don't have this but I if I take this 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 I can make you know what I mean like you have to improvise with a lot of the gear and just stuff like that so it's really funny it's like I don't know if this is a good comparison or not but it's kind of like you watch videos on YouTube of like people in prison where they're making like cool foods and things where they're just improvising and you see that in the field right you're like how did you make that like or you know what I mean it's it's pretty crazy just seeing what people can do like yeah it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> and okay you mentioned the field there what component of your basic was actual field time or how did that look so our basic was my basic was 10 and a half weeks I know there were periods where they were 14 15 16 so there was some stuff obviously cut down and things like that our first week in the field was three four days I think and that was kind of like the standard intro to the field kind of learning you know how to make the hoochies and you know going over all the fire stuff and, and all that stuff that was really fun for me in the field because the weather was nice it was it was hot it was feels like plus 45 46 so it was hot but it was summertime it was nice we were kind of like learning different things doing camouflage and concealment so like we weren't really doing anything outside of just kind of learning and having field or class in the field after being in garrison for that long it was nice so that aspect was really fun but when we did our second week with the operation normandy that was pretty crazy <laughs> yeah that was that one was pretty crazy we had a flash flood happen when we were out there at like two three o'clock in the morning we had you know like the the obviously you know like the white like 10 man tents right there's no bottom on them right we're in the middle of we were in a fob and the fob out in shiloh is an older fob do you remember that movie hyena road like years ago that a Canadian army movie I don't know if you've ever seen it I don't think I've seen that one but okay <laughs> so the fob in that movie that's the fob that we were at right so we're out there and it's basically just all like field mud grass and stuff like that and we had just started all of the scenarios we had just kind of loaded all of our magazines with the blanks everything we we're getting ready to go and we started at like 9 p.m probably by midnight you could see thunder and lightning in the background again we're in the prairies right so like anything far like you can really see that you know what I mean we're like this is crazy because they're throwing like arty sims and they're throwing like you know just everything's going off and there's c7s going off and you could see the thunder and the lightning you're like okay we might be okay we might be okay and then it's getting closer and the rain's coming and then you're like oh, okay it's fine and then about 2 a.m 
I was core senior at that time. So like we all had, all core seniors had radios. And I just hear one of the master corporals over the radio, everybody in the tent, two minutes, drop whatever. Like they were never like, you know, we're like, this is bad or whatever, right? So we got to the tent and within about six or seven minutes, the wind was so bad. Like people were trying to hold the tent down. There was probably like, I don't know, I'd say maybe a couple inches of water covering the entire bottom of the tent. So all of our stuff's all like soaked in mud and like, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then obviously you don't have other combats or other gear or anything like that, right? So you can't sleep. So you get like your half an hour to sleep while nobody's sleeping. And then it's, okay, go to your posts. And you're just like, oh man, you know, like muddy. And like, yeah, it was pretty. And that was to start it, right? So then we still had, we had maybe another 33, 34 hours of being awake after that to go in those muddy combat. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. <laughs> oh man. And you were a course senior during that time. What was that like being course senior on a basic course? I think for me, honestly, I liked it a little bit more than most people, just because again, with all the civvy like work experience I had and the nine years of like civvy management experience I had, being able to kind of like multitask that in an environment like that kind of kept me busy. Whereas when other people did it, like they would get stressed or like, I just had experience with that. So I was fine because then I wasn't worried about this or this. I could just kind of like be focused on like pushing people where they had to go or whatever, you know what I mean? So I liked it. Yeah, it, it definitely kept me busy. But you could see some people where they're just like, ah, <laughs> just getting ready to freak out. <laughs> Did you have any course seniors fired on your BMQ? Oh, 100%. And the thing <laughs> too is some of it's by design, right? It's not necessarily that that person did anything wrong. It's just part of, it's, it's a mental chess match. It's all the game, right? But there were a couple where it was like, yeah, like fired, written up. Like, yeah, there was, there was some really, really, there were some bad ones. I mean, when you have 60 people, we had some girls too. We had some girls, infantry, um, passed and then ended up, you know, switching to different occupations they thought might be better for them, but just badass, right? Like you just didn't see, you just, you don't see that that often, right? Like our, our obstacle course there, our confidence course, it was a 30 stage infantry obstacle course, right? It wasn't Saint-Jean where you had like the one net and then a little bit of tunnels and whatever, whatever. This was three rows, 10 stages each row, right? And this was being done by combat arms who are deploying who are training like this you know what i mean so yeah it was the whole thing was just it, yeah so that whole thing was crazy um and then yeah you'd have some people just yeah they, they couldn't handle it and uh they would just you see that though you're gonna see that right that many people i think we literally had people from bc alberta manitoba ontario quebec nova scotia so yeah, like pr all, pretty much spread out, right? So within that, you're gonna always have a couple of people who uh, act up a little bit or didn't wanna <laughs> seem to get it. And, and yeah, so that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, I know when I was going through basic, um, <laughs> I just, I still remember this one situation where our course senior at the time, we were missing every timing. Um, <laughs> I remember specifically, he said that everyone was uh, like lined up and ready to go. And then one person came out of the bathroom and I, oh man, that was just really bad. It's like, everyone's attended, everyone's accounted for mass corporal, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, someone walks out. Oh man, that was bad. He got fired like on the spot. Um, so I guess that's part of the challenge though, because when you're forced, kind of forced into leadership positions, it's good for you in a sense where you have to kind of figure it out and put yourself to the test. Um, and I think for you specifically having all of that leadership experience in your civvy side, why did you choose to be an NCM versus an officer? So that's actually something that officers have asked me as well. Honestly, it's, it's more of just coming down to an age versus a degree thing. Like there is a potential for me to say commission over after a couple of years or whatever from this route. But if I went straight officer, I would have had to take some type of schooling right? Whether it was on my own or through, through the military college. So we're looking at two, three, four years. So I'm 36, 37, 38, or whatever, I'm 40 years old. Then can I still do that? Yeah. Can I do infantry? 
uh, then I got to think about switching to something else, which is fine, but I really wanted to do this for a bit before, like, sure, I could switch to clerk, I could switch to whatever, right? I'm fluent in English and French, like, I have routes I can go, there's things I can do, right? But I wanted to try to start combat arms, right? So, like I said, I could look at commissioning over, you know, at some point, right? But, um, but to your point earlier, which is funny, about the person missing the count, did you have somebody in your course, it's like all the movies or shows where there's always one or two people where they're just absolute clowns and you need them for morale because like, you know, things would just get, we had one who obviously I won't, you know, mention or anything, but we had one who from the beginning, day one, he's getting reamed out by a sergeant and says, you know, don't ever effing do that again and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, all right, a sergeant. And he fucking bows. He bows at him like, like some like, nin and the, did you just, fucking bow it did you just bow at me probably just and we knew like oh man like like what are you thinking right and so we knew this guy was going to be like an absolute like riot so then fast forward like a solid month and a half maybe into the course course senior runs up we're, we're on like the second floor in the shacks rolling our rooms doing whatever and course senior runs up and he goes we have to be formed up outside in six minutes to go to the mess and everyone's like i'll oh, start panicking so they're grabbing their stuff because we don't miss the timing obviously right so then I see this guy running down the hallway and he's going in and out of like every other like room. So I'm thinking like, oh man, like what's he looking for? And he comes up to me, he goes, I can't find my bray. I can't find my bray. Do you think they'll notice? And I just start laughing. I'm like, there's 50 of us in, in ranks. Of course they're going to notice if one of you doesn't have a beret, right? So I see somebody coming down the hallway, like I have a spare beret. So I take off to go find my section, right? Because I didn't want like our section to get in shit or whatever. So we're coming out, we're forming up, and I just happen to be right in the middle, but the second second row, right? This guy who is borrowing the beret just happens to form up beside me. I didn't see him because I was watching the door and I was helping like the guy in front of me, like fixing his collar and stuff like that, right? So the door opens, you hear the drill cane hit the cement. I'm like, oh, like Master Corporal's out or whatever. So then call to attention, whatever, whatever. In my peripherals, I can see that guy and his beret is like the Chef Boyardee hat. Like it was way too, you know, if you don't have a beret on, that's yours or it's not formed. It looks like dog shit and everybody's going to tell, right? You're a month and a half in a course. Like, so of course you can't laugh in ranks. I'm trying so hard not to laugh, right? Because the master corporal can see me, right? So he sees me and he's kind of looking at me and I'm trying not to laugh, right? And he goes, Private Soderholm. What are you laughing at? Well, you can't lie. What am I going to say? Right? I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but I'm like, look to my left, Master Corporal. And he looks over and he sees the dude's beret like flopped over. So he starts laughing. It was like a whole thing. And like this guy was just like, you need people like that. Like, especially when you get into the field and everybody's cranky and they're pissy and they're cold and they're hungry and they've been up for 40 hours and they want to fight everybody. And you have some guy like that just come and like trip over trip wire and like his food goes in his face or something. And you're like, man, you know, that was there. Like, yeah, I just, oh, it's, it's so nice having that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good perspective because uh, <laughs> most people, or, I mean, I guess there's a little bit of sentiment there that those people are annoying, but if you actually think about it, you need them. You're right. You really need them. Like I can think of a couple people there was one instance where I actually got partnered with one of those people because I was the only one that he would actually like listen to, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, but this guy was like late, like one time he came up for inspection from the showers and his uniform was drenched. <laughs> I was like, there's no way we could fix this in the like five minutes that we have. And then of course, like I'm getting all that too, because he's drenched. I'm like, I don't know why he's drenched, but oh. it's just so funny. And we have this one guy in the field section. Um, and I, I still remember he he lost some piece of his kit overnight. <gasps> I don't remember exactly what it was. I just remember we were all formed up to the side and he was talking to the sergeant. And the sergeant was like, what happened to your blank? Whatever it was. <laughs> And then he was like, a bear took it. And I was like, oh no. And then the sergeant like looked at me and was like, are you seriously telling me that a bear came into your area, opened your bag and took your gloves or whatever? And he was like, yes, sergeant. 
<laughs> everyone was just rolling their eyes in our uh, in our section because that guy is just so funny. But you do need that. You need that that relief for sure, especially when you're wet and muddy and cold. Oh, it's hard we, to. Uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. We um we were doing topo in the fields and I had that guy in my section and by chance we were three sections of course three sections always last right they would always roll it the way they did so we started topo at 0600 that morning we didn't roll out until 1300 by that point the clouds had come in and when we started it started pouring that topo was I think it was scheduled to be like maybe four or five hours. So you're out there in these prairies where people aren't really walking. There's no path. You're through these like bushes that are as tall as you are. It's pouring rain. You got your map out. Everybody's cranky. And then you got somebody just making comments like that where like, yeah, you could choose to either be like, dude, shut up. You're annoying. Or you can just laugh at it. Cause like, what else are you going to do? Right. And like, yeah, that, that guy honestly saved me from so many situations where I was like, this sucks but like at least we have him here you know what i mean like he could be somewhere else and this would be way worse <laughs> yeah and another point to mention as well is there's a lot of different personalities who join the canadian Armed forces and i think that's something you have to be pretty tolerant because you're gonna be working especially if you don't have work experience if you're not used to working with people that you don't get to choose to work with like you don't get to pick your groups, you don't get to pick your sections, all that kind of stuff. So I think you have to be a little tolerant. There's a lot of different personalities. Um, some people get very like, uh, like how do I want to say this? Like kind of like alpha <laughs> when they put on the uniform or where they get the course senior or whatever. But you just kind of have to know when to lead and when to follow. And at the end of the day, you really just have to meet your timings and get shit done. <laughs> yeah. And not get frustrated too. I think it's really important for people to understand that there's like a, a graph of like one day it's going to be extremely, and you might, if you think back, it might be the same for you where one day was as stressful as it could ever be. And then the next day was kind of chill and then super stressful. And that's the whole purpose is trying to break you and that, you know, to see kind of what you can handle. So I think as people keep that in their mind and understand like, they're going to give you timings. I can remember so many times we'd be outside and we'd have to do 10, we'd have to do 10 push-ups and we'd have to do chin-ups, 10 chin-ups on this bar anytime we came out of any building or went into any building, right? So we got back, our timings were six minutes to go upstairs, drop our kit, which was full out, like FFO, everything, right? We had to drop kit. We had to switch our combats because we were in sweaty combats getting fresh combats, be back outside six, seven. It was just a timing that was not possible. Like scientifically, it just wasn't going to happen. And they knew that, right? And this was like one of the first kind of shark attacks where somebody in our kind of platoon, I guess, kind of like snapped back. And it was a timing we just weren't going to make. And we got outside and Sergeant just reaming us out. And I could see him just shaking. And I was like, dude, it's just, it's a mental chess match. It's just a game. Like whatever you go to your happy place, whatever, like this isn't real. You're not really getting yelled at because you, you messed up. They're trying to to build that stress and stuff like that right and he yeah he uh he said something that uh wasn't very polite and uh yeah we didn't see him for <laughs> we didn't see him for a couple hours and yeah, that was that and that's the thing too is i think one thing that i'm glad that i went maybe later on in life as opposed to say younger is when you're a lot younger you kind of feel at least i did you feel the need to kind of like justify yourself, right? When you're 17, 18, 19, and somebody says like, oh, you can't do this, or this is wrong, or you did this. Well, I didn't do this, or what? Like, you, it's just a need, especially at a younger age, I think, right? Me being older now, like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there would be times where like, I'd be getting reamed out for something, and I'd be like, okay, well, I know I didn't do this, but whatever, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bite it. It is what it is, right? And then I would see other people like, who legit didn't do something, just, well, I didn't do that, or this is why I did that, and then just then it's done right then it's you've just it's way worse right so yeah that I think that definitely helped me as well a little bit <laughs> yeah try not to talk back you really have to learn to bite your tongue as well because it's like arguing with the ref in a sport like there is no better outcome you're still gonna get the penalty or whatever's happening like just accept it and move on don't take it personally as well you just need to move on like that's so, and, good advice. and to your point I will even, I won't mention names or anything, but my FTP were sitting in a classroom. Now we had 
a warrant. I'll leave it at that. We had a warrant teaching the class. And obviously when an officer is teaching, you're, you're at attention, you're, you're paying attention. Nobody's drifting off. You're, you're, you got your eyes on your partner. If you see somebody dozing off, you're kicking, like you, you got, you got your people's backs, right? This was as well an officer, even more so where people were even too scared to breathe too loud. Like, so everybody was, so I'm sitting on the left-hand side and I've got my FTP on my right-hand side and his head is down and he's looking at his watch, looking at his watch. And the warrant goes, are you fucking sleeping in the back of my, and just goes off thinking he's sleeping. And now I can't be like, sir, he's looking at his watch. <laughs> my buddy's not going to be like, I'm looking at my watch, right? Where a lot of other people kind of would have. And he sat there and he took it and he got chewed out in the classroom. He got chewed out in the hallway. He got chewed out at the shacks. They brought him outside of the ch shacks and he got chewed out. And then he had to write and perform a 2000 word essay on not falling asleep in class. And it was one of the greater essays of our entire BMP. Like he didn't let it get to his head that like, oh, I wasn't sleeping or it is what it is. I'm just going to deal with it. And then it's done. Right. And like, as much as it can suck sometimes that's, you just, that's, you just have to do that. Right. Like, <laughs> And these are some of the kind of soft skills that you need to translate back into your civilian life too. And just into your personality as well. Like being able to take that and not retaliate, not like talk back, not get down on yourself about it just move through it, move on, keep going. Um, are there any other skills or like lessons that you've learned from your basic already that you think have made an impact on you? Um, I think for me again, being older and then kind of more separated from like the high school age or just kind of like the younger where you need to be around people. I don't know how it was at St. Jean, but at Shiloh in the shacks, we're four a room, right? So I had myself as the 35-year-old, and then I had three 18, 19, 20-year-olds that I had to live with, right? So me kind of getting used to, like, being kind of close quarters, which I knew obviously was going to be the case, but getting kind of close quarters back with, with kind of people like that, 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 was, that was a little, uh, that was a learning experience, <laughs> Um, I think just the mental strength and then the confidence, but not necessarily confidence in the way that you would think, like not, oh, I'm a bad at or, or anything like that. It's just kind of the ability to where like maybe before, if you would be thrown in a situation you've never done, you might be more smart about it and try and like think it out and, and take your time. Whereas like now it's just like, oh, I've never done this before, whatever I'm going ahead for. You know what I mean? Like just kind of that sense where through all of the field stuff and just kind of the way that they treat you. It's really unique because in some aspects, you're a kid, you can't have this, you're a child, but then in other aspects, they're like, here's this ammo or here's this, go do this. And then it really does build that like, holy shit, I'm running around a field. Yeah, they're blanks and whatever, but I'm running around a field, firing these rounds, basically do whatever I want. So yeah, it does kind of build that like confidence and just kind of being able to like do whatever and maybe not being so like reserved or, kind of safe in certain situations like I'm not safe you know what I mean I'm not saying just be an idiot but like you're kind of more like I'm more confident to just do this and I'll, I'll adjust and deal with it on the fly as opposed to just trying to sort everything out first right for sure and for those younger people on the course did you see them kind of like mature as the course progressed did you see a change in those younger people so that's funny because I actually had a conversation with some of my roommates like when we were done to see if they noticed that. And I wanted to know if that was an older thing or a younger thing. And I think for a lot of, some did, but I think for a lot of them, they were so caught up in the moment because yes, it's hard and it's tiring and it sucks and you miss this, that and whatever, but it's a crazy, like going through core, especially BMQ, it's wild. So you're so caught up in that where I think me being older, I knew, like I could specifically remember moments being like, hey, I got to stop for a minute and just like kind of soak this in. Cause I knew I'd be thinking about this for the rest of my life, right? So watching my section as well, you're so close with, with your section. Like when we arrived on the bus, we were seated alphabetically. So the people I sat with on the bus, the second we got off the airport, not only happened to be my section, but those three people happened to be my roommates, right? So I literally saw that change in a lot of them where some of them, it was 
maybe they didn't have enough confidence and they needed more or vice versa where they were kind of too arrogant and cocky and this experience kind of humbled them a little bit which which is good right um but yeah some of them i couldn't believe it um we had one kid who was 17 like high school didn't even get to go to his graduation parents signed the paper um night one night two night three crying of course he's 17 he'd never been away from home so it wasn't necessarily just to like oh i miss my parents but it was just a lot right to see like where someone like that started from and like where they ended up just like in the field like supporting other people when other people were having a bad day and struggling and just things where they might not have been able to do that in the beginning that in my opinion solely comes from them breaking you in the system of of them doing that the whole like why is this happening why are they doing this right now like i don't know about you but i can remember the worst day <coughs> excuse me uh the worst day of our bmq worst by stress and i don't know if it was the same for you or not but we had four of the most important test events whatever all in the same day so we had our officer inspection with the general in the morning that's fun and on top of that so one of the sergeants who was on the bus with us at the airport throughout the course he ended up commissioning over so when he started the course he was a sergeant when i was done the course he was a lieutenant so as the course went on and we were in the field he was busy doing that but he obviously wanted to come about so anytime he came about he was one of us but he was still a sir right so that would kind of change the dynamics you know a, a little bit but even with him i can remember when that change happened he would get so mad the day after it happened he came out to the field and all the other sergeants and staff and i was talking to them and i kind of tried to like turn aside because i didn't want you know any part of like whatever they were doing right and the second he gets out he gets out of the g-wagon one of those old like the really old like training g-wagons hey he gets out of the g-wagon and they all turn around and all the staff snap staff to it snap to attention sure he's like i don't want to hear that because he was just one of them right so anytime we would see him and like but yeah so even he he had some change and yeah it was pretty there was lots of change during that uh during that uh course lots of people switching out and yeah it was pretty it was pretty unique so sorry i didn't no, go even, ahead I I went off on that and I didn't even finish that day. I didn't even finish telling you what happened. <laughs> oh, go that ahead. Day. Continue sorry, that day. Sorry. So yeah, let me start. So sorry. So yeah, so the craziest, all four things in one day. So it was that it was the officer's inspection. And then we had our drill test for cap badge. And then we had our rifle handling test. And then we had the 30 uh, stage uh, confidence course, but for in our full, like in our FFO. So we had all four of those in one day. There were literally people like leaning over garbage cans, puking in the hallway, waiting to go in for like their rifles, like their rifle handling tests and stuff like that. Because those were like some of the biggest, like everything else we had done for the most part, especially the garrison stuff was like, oh, if you failed a test, which I don't think really any too many people did, but if you failed, go again, go again go again like there's this misconception of like oh if you fail you're out and of course if you do something you know that you shouldn't be doing but they they want you there they're going to help you right so like but those were the tests where if you failed those you were done there was no time to recourse so like we had all four of those on the same day and like yeah people were puking in garbage cans and like just sweating and they couldn't stop like they were so stressed out it was pretty wild <laughs> i remember when we had to do our rifle tests and everything too we only had that one component of it on that day like we didn't have any other um checkpoints or any other like tests to do but people were really really nervous and i remember i'm the type of person who likes to go first and like move <laughs> on so sure. for me i kind of volunteered to go first because i was looking around and everyone was like Ugh. I was like you know what we were just practicing for a little bit because they gave us i think some time in the morning to go over a couple things if we wanted to so i was like you know what i'm feeling okay let's just get it over with and it's very nerve-wracking like i remember like putting the rounds in the magazine and everything you have to be like fast and like 
oh man doing all the stoppages and the drill oh, yeah. I was like, you're like did i miss something because there's certain things where you miss them and that's a fail on that test even though you only missed one step and say the 30 sequence mm-hmm. because it's the most important thing like making yeah. sure it's on safety or something like that especially if it's a safety right so i got into the habit of always safety always safety before after whatever even if i didn't need to do it because it only took a second and i would rather like them be like you didn't need to do that than like you didn't do that and now you're done right like yeah it's it's stressful for sure and when you go into like live ranges and you're doing your test there you want confidence that everyone is also on safety and everyone is doing their drills properly because now you're using live rounds and i remember our course staff told us about they had to kind of kick someone out because they fired a live round um, because they were kind of goofing around a little bit. And obviously that's a big no because weapons are designed to kill people and you're endangering everyone by doing that. So these things are really serious. Like, yes, uh, this is why these things have purpose and these drills have purpose, even though you have to do them like a million times and you might be like, why do I have to learn this? Well, remember what you're doing (laughs) at the end of the day, right? For sure. Well, and one thing to touch to that too, about the safety that I'll say too, is so again, I'm being taught through BMQ with people that not only have combat deployments, but like deployments in Afghanistan, right? So, so from their sense, and especially with things going on, like there was obviously an urge to like, this needs to be done right. We need to get people through, we need combat arms. We know that, right? So throughout the whole course, most of them always had their foot on the gas as far as like the shark attacks or being on you or whatever, whatever. And I can remember that switch flipping the second we walked into the classroom for like our first like weapon safety like test and stuff like that. Um, Sergeant had his beret off. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he had his epaulette off too. And it was a completely different tone. It wasn't the yelling and the screaming. It was like, okay, if you don't get this, I'm going to do it again. We'll do it again. So like, even from that sense, like they even understood like, okay, well, this is important. This is safety shit. Like we need to kind of turn the game off for a minute. Right. So I appreciated that. I was like, Hey, good. (laughs) Yeah. And they're not just there to kind of force you out. Like obviously if they're putting all this time, money, effort, individually, the staff themselves being on this course, like they want you to graduate right so they are going to help you and be supportive in their own special way (laughs) be confident that the people around you are there to help you and get through the day all together and they're not just there to kind of shake you up even though they are there to do that too (laughs) no and that's the thing too like so i had staff who were teaching for whatever reason but they're still especially the infantry ones they're still active infantry. Like these guys are still going out. They're doing things. If something happened right now, there's a potential for them to literally share a trench with us. They're not out there just doing it because they need an extra, you know, credential in the system to get another course or something like that. Right. They're doing it because they understand that this is extremely important, especially with the fact that a lot of these people like combat arms, when they're done their occupation, they go to battalion. Sure. There'll be a little bit more extra training, they're leaving, they're going overseas, and then they're going to train other countries, right? So, like, yeah, they take it very seriously. And there is this preconceived notion that, like, they don't want you there, or if you're going to mess around or whatever, they want you there, they need you there, they're going to give you the chance. Like, you don't have to have that stress of, like, oh, if I, I don't want to go because I don't test well. I had a buddy, he didn't want to go because he doesn't test well, and he was scared that if he failed a test, he would get kicked out. Well, this isn't Hollywood. This isn't the United States. This isn't a movie like what we're used to seeing. Cause that's the thing. We get a lot of ideas about how things are from the movies. And one, that's a completely different military. They don't follow the same system as we do. And two, that's just a movie. It's not real, right? Like they want you there. They've invested so much time and money into you through the interview process and the background checks. And it's a lot of money. They're not just going to say, okay, fine. Of course, if you don't want to be there, they don't want you to waste your time. They don't want to waste their time. It's a safety thing, of course, right? But if you are struggling in one area or you need extra help, they're not going to tell you to F off. They're going to help you. I've seen so many times staff taking their epaulette off or their badge off and being like, okay, I'm just a person now. What's going on? What do you need? Like, relax. How can I help you? And you need that, right? So that helped a lot. I saw a lot of staff do that. One guy was struggling and an officer came in and it was probably like month one. He had a family member pass away and he was kind of deciding on what to do and if I should go. And an officer went in and 
he came out and we kind of talked to him and he said, of course, I want to keep, you know, what was in the conversation private, but he's like, yeah, he's like the, the sir came in, he took his epaulet off. He said, I'm just a soldier like you, what's going on. He said, we talked it out and like, he's like, we figured it out. And he's like having an, especially an officer come in and be like, Hey, we're going to turn that stigma down of, because they are there to help. But there is that stigma between NCM and officers, right. Of, of, you know, that, that whatever. Right. So yeah. And he said, even having them just turn it off and talk to me like a person, like it just made such a big difference. And I think that's what people need to understand. Like MH, like mental health is so massive in the Canadian armed forces. Like the amount of people that would come talk to you or do you need this or access to the MER for like it's just it's unbelievable they do such a good job of that right so yeah if you're ever struggling with anything like even courses or you need extra help like they're not gonna, they're not going to tell you to go home like it doesn't work like that and that's really good for everyone to know as well there's an emphasis on mental health I remember during my course we had um like a whole weekend I did weekend BMOQ so we had a whole weekend where every day we had like a session on mental health in the morning I remember that was actually pretty helpful. They taught you kind of some techniques and stuff to calm yourself down, stay focused, to balance all these things. Because they are putting stress on you, obviously, right? And it is a lot. And you still have to perform at a high level. Um, but you also have to make sure that both your mental and physical side are in check to perform at that level. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, was, it, was, it was good to see, too, um, because it's some, sometimes you just have a bad day. I could remember mornings where it would be 4.58 and my, of course, you're not supposed to have like alarms, but like my watch would vibrate. So I'd have a vibrate alarm on because I wanted a minute before the madness, right? And I remember one time my alarm didn't go off and I needed that. I needed that one or two minutes before everybody else just to open my eyes and be like, okay, it's go time, right? And I'll never remember that one morning my wrist didn't vibrate and I got woken up to just banging on garbage cans and revelate, revelate, just drill canes hitting garbage cans. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this today. I just don't want to do this today. So yeah, it, it happens to everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's okay to have bad days. Like at the end of the day, you're still a human, right? Yeah. Everyone's still a human. Everyone's going to have ups and downs. Um, that's why you have a very supportive team around you. Um, what was probably the coolest experience that you had during BMQ? Ooh. I mean, I think by default, being combat arms of the field, right? Like if, by default, just the field in general. I will say that the gas hut experience, because I know it differs for some people. I know some people, maybe it's a little less potent or a little more potent or, or maybe they didn't, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Ours was, uh, I remember putting all of our CBRN stuff on, going through, they had the tablet on, like, yeah, we're just going to do a walkthrough. We're going to do all the checks and stuff like that. And then when you go out, this is like, it's going to be go time. So I remember going out, taking all my stuff off. And this was when you walk into the gas hut when it's gassed with nothing on. And then you've got to take the hit and then put gear up when you can't see, you can't breathe nothing, right? I remember the first kid goes in and you literally hear, ah! <laughs> he just starts screaming. And I remember looking at all the other kids and they're like, what's going on? And I remember just in the moment, just being like, that's what happens when you don't pay attention. Right. But yeah, he just wasn't expecting it. So going in, I was like, do I just hold my breath and start putting my gear on? I'm like, no, I got to take the hit. Right. I just, I have to take the hit. So I remember approaching the door, the master corporal just looks at me, thumbs up. I'm like, oh man, I took a deep breath. I let it out. I took two, three steps in the building. I tried to take a breath and my lungs just closed. Like my lungs closed, my nose, my eyes were leaking. And then my nose started leaking. And I know this is gross, but it was literally like, it was like chunks of stuff. Like it was bad. So I'm like, I've never felt like that feeling before. And then I was like, oh shit, I got to put my gear on because I don't, I, I got to breathe, right? So threw my stuff on. Now, thankfully, obviously, them drilling stuff in your head and all the times we had done CBR. And at the time, you're like, this sucks. It's 40 degrees outside. Why am I putting this gas mask on for no reason? Well, that's why, right? And so I remember getting all my stuff on and I was good. And I'd walked around and they had opened the door for the next guy to come in and... <laughs> Poor guy, my buddy goes in and takes his breath and he throws his stuff on and he gets it done. And they go, no, you didn't meet the time, bud. You got to go again. And because he was last in line, like there was no buddy for him to like wait for. He went through, I think, 
at least at least three times, maybe four times, because he kept not meeting the minimum time, or maybe something wasn't done up properly. So, I just remember thinking how shitty I felt for like those next five minutes of just like it felt like fire and like blood was coming out of my face, and then I remember thinking, well, whatever, dude, suck it up, because he's been through it four times, right? So like. Yeah, that was super unique. I'd never experienced any like feeling where like you're trying to like breathe or open your eyes and you can't because it just hit you like so hard. So that was super, uh, that was super wild for sure. I think the ruck, the ruck and shoot, that was really fun. Just like, cause usually you would just, you'd go to the range and then we'd jump in the MSVSs or you were just doing a hike or whatever. So being out in the field and being literally in the field, like that was the first week we were there we weren't in a fob or anything we were literally just in the field <laughs> like they had they had mosquito sprayed the area where the staff and the sergeants and the sirs and mams were going to be but we were just setting up shop in the middle of the bush right so we were just getting like eaten alive so anytime we could go it was awesome but yeah doing that whatever it was 5k shooting and then like 5k back right away that was that was uh really nice uh the rappel tower that was always fun i don't know if you did you guys do rappel tower no yeah we had uh, a 30 foot and a 60 foot um yeah so that was fun and then we did it all and we were kind of ahead of uh, ahead of schedule so they let just a bunch of people go and then you'd get one or two people who either they weren't paying attention or they're like, oh, I did it twice and I'm good and get a little cocky and they kind of lean back a little bit and they like roll over. So they're, they're laying upside down by their heads. And of course they're safe. They're all tied up. Like everything's all good. Right. And then you can hear the staff at the front. Now this happens two or three times. I want to say twice just to be safe. I specifically remember the one guy getting pulled up super fast and i remember the other guy dangling there for a bit and i look up and i could see the sergeant and the master bombardier just laughing and i remember thinking like see he probably pissed that staff off at some point during the course so just letting him hang for another 10 seconds but yeah that was uh that was super fun too um so i don't know what your situation was for live range but we had to man the butts right like where you would switch like did you have yeah, to, we do had that? to do that too yeah we had to do that so i don't know how your setup was but our setup was literally like our butts was in this like dugout that was like buried in like this hill and then they had like the cement and like the bunker and everything like that and then the target was quite literally i'd say maybe 15 feet 20 feet not even 15 feet in front of me and then however high, a little bit high it was or whatever, right? So we were sitting here just just watching it, right? And obviously we're underground and we're in the bunker and shit's safe, but the rounds are quite literally coming over your head. And again, because we're three section, we're to the butts first and we're sitting in the butts all day, right? So like, we're like, oh, this is going to suck or whatever. And I remember being like the third or fourth row in and the first two sections starts shooting and we're sitting there and you can hear it popping off in the background because again, like, they're C7s, they're five, five, six rounds. You're not firing like a C9 machine gun. Like they pop, but they're not like crazy, right? Especially if you've got your protection in and stuff like that. And I remember when those rounds started coming over me, the guys whose like target I was like to change and, and kind of call out on. And you could just hear it crack like those bull whips. And I was like, you're quite, you're, you're not being shot at, but you're being shot at, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I remember us just sitting there like, yeah, this is cool. We could sit here for a while and just deal with this and like just patching up the range stuff. And yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> for us, we couldn't see them actually. So we had, it was like a hill and then the people who were manning the butts were kind of behind the hill and then raising the targets up and down, but there was no transparency. So you couldn't see sure. anything, but you could hear it. And then you could see like, sometimes they would like fall down in front of you. And that was kind of interesting because it's like, damn, someone's shooting right near me with live ammo right now. So. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and I'll be completely honest with you because before joining the military, um, personally not too much experience with firearms like the odd here or there or whatever but until i changed and been on butts duty and actually walked up the first time to like patch my first like hole i hadn't realized how small because that was the first 
live shooting we had done and they were loading all the mags. So we went there and we gave them two empty mags. They gave us two full mags. So we didn't do any loading. I hadn't seen the rounds or anything. I could not believe how small the entry hole is from those five, five, six rounds. Like it looks like a pellet, like, you know, movies and stuff again. You're like, you think it's going to be like a bigger hole or something like that. And I was like, is that from the C, like the C7? <laughs> like it looks like a pellet hole. Like, of course it's going to do damage, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I had the same experience. I was like, wow, I mean, this is, this is it. <laughs> like, <yeah>. obviously <laughs> it's still deadly, right? It's still lethal force, but between what you see in Hollywood, especially if you're not into rifles, you don't have your own collection, all that stuff. I didn't have any of that. And seeing those holes, like, wait a minute this is it it's like yeah i had the same experience so it's it's like a frag grenade too right hollywood tells us that when you pull the pin on a frag grenade and you throw it there's going to be fire and it's incendiary and you pull the pin on a frag grenade and you toss it and it's just like dirt right like it's just like sand like there's no fire so you see one go the first time and you're just like you know the sound and you can feel the pressure and like that's cool but like that was very underwhelming. Thank you, Hollywood. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not like in the movies. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think that's part of the cool part of actually joining the military as well. Like, even for me now, when I watch movies and you see the guys like carrying the huge machine guns, so effort effortlessly, like through urban warfare, like tight corridors or whatever. Like, there's no way it's moving that easily. Like, that is heavy, especially if it's loaded. Like the weight between when the rifle's unloaded versus when it's loaded, even because totally. the the rounds have weight. Like all sure. these things you don't think about sure. when you're watching a movie, and then it gives you so much more context when you actually see these movies again. You're like, ah, yes. Oh yeah. Well, and even little things like I remember the sergeant was te- there was some guys they were smoking their cigarettes and we were out in the field, and the sergeant's like, oh, it's the perfect time for me to teach you like field stripping, and they're like, oh, what is this? And he's talking about how like. When you're done your cigarette like flip it inside out pull the filter out put it in your pocket because if you're out in the field and you're smoking a canadian or a marlboro well who smokes that they're gonna know who it is right so they would teach you little things like that you're like oh i never thought about that and then like same thing you're watching movies you're like nope that would never happen they would do this that's bullshit like i found that when i got back i'm i hadn't gamed in forever i'm a huge gamer my friends like different consoles are out of town and we always play like call of duty and shit like, i couldn't play call of duty for like the longest time because i was like that's bullshit that would never happen that's fake this is frustrating <laughs> like i couldn't play for like for a little bit until i just like got over it <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i think a shared experience among many people for sure do you think that the military so far has kind of lived up to your expectations or what you thought it would be like when you first joined yeah i think so i mean again it's I'm learning more that you can't really have expectations, if that makes sense. Like you never know, right? It's such a crazy, like shit changes all the time or like what you think is going to happen doesn't happen or whatever. But yeah, like I said, I think it's really conducive to like my personality and lifestyle. And again, I spent like 17, 18 years working in offices waiting to punch out so then I could go hiking or go camping. And like, I would feel my soul like dying. <laughs> I was like, like, this isn't, I can't, you know, I got to pull the trigger on this. Whereas now it's like, yeah, you're outside all day. And yeah, sometimes it sucks. Who wants to have 19 hour days? Who wants to go five days without showering or eating IMPs or, you know, it sucks sometimes, right? But every job has parts that suck, right? So like, it's the pros and cons. I look at it as like, it's a 50-50 split, right? 50% of the time, I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting paid to do this. And then the other 50% of the time, you're like, oh my God, I don't even care how much they're paying me to do this. <laughs> like, it's not worth it. So like, yeah, it has its it has its ups and downs. But yeah, I'm still super early on, obviously. There's lots that, um, there's lots that like I want to do and to be done. But but yeah, it's it's crazy. Like no day has been the same, like during that course, you know, even if they were meant to be, like they never were. There was always crazy stuff that happened. And like some of it was meant to happen because it was structured. They wanted, you know, crazy things to happen or to do this, to do that. And then other times it was just like a product of that environment where, you know, like shit just happens. And like, yeah, I just, every day you would like be stressed and you'd be tired and you'd be frustrated, but you'd always laugh. You know what I mean? Like even on those days, cause that's all you could do. Like I, the only thing left to cr- is to cry for a lot of people. Like they were at that point where they were just ready to break and you would just see them laughing and it was like especially in the fields when you'd get to hour 40 
of like being awake. It's like those giggles and you can't think straight and you're laughing. It's like the first time you got drunk or something like you all bubbly. And then you're like, I don't care about this. I'm giggly and I'm tired. And then you're like, oh, it was people shooting at you. Like, you know what I mean? So that's when they're trying to teach you that, like that focus, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so what's next for you? What are you hoping to accomplish uh, kind of in the short term and then maybe in the long term? What are your, your goals or aspirations? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Obviously getting this uh, DP one done, I'm hoping that'll be, that should be completed this summer and then um, whatever other trainings they'd have. And then, yeah, I'd like to be deployed in some capacity, um, you know, whether it's out helping them with training or there's always stuff going on. I think maybe it's by design. So obviously I won't name some places. I don't know, but like we're in so many places right now. There's so many countries that we're in right now doing different things, whether it's training or helping out or this and that. And, yeah, so again, being fluent in both English and French, that kind of helps me uh, be able to go to a lot of the places that we're in right now. I realize I can't do this infantry specifically for too long. Who knows? I heard of a guy who did it well into his, he was almost 48. So who knows, right? But yeah, if I could get a couple of deployments or, or whatever, um, you know, and then kind of switch. It's hard because like, I understand coming in late. It's not like, oh, I'm 18, I can, I can do this and I can take this and I can take mountain warfare and I can take this training and I can try to be a sniper. I, can, I don't have that time, right? And that's on me, I understand that, you know what I mean? So I have to try and be a little bit more realistic with like, you know, what I try to do or what routes I try to go, you know what I mean? So, but it is hard to plan. I know so many people trying to go down a specific course or I wanna do recce or I wanna do this and then they blow a knee or something happens. And then, you know, it's, it's so hard. And then you're dealing with the mental side of like, I had this plan for myself and then now I can't do this. So like, yeah, it's just kind of just going with the flow, I guess, too. And just kind of seeing, seeing what doors open up, I guess. <laughs> well, you definitely have the right attitude. And I'm sure that <laughs> <laughs> when we talk again in a couple of months or whatever, maybe, or maybe a couple of days, because you're very active in the Facebook group. Thank you. Sure. For that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be doing great things. And um, is there anything else that we didn't talk about today that you want to say or let people know about? Uh, no, I just think that if it's something you want to do, do it, pull the trigger. It doesn't really matter how old you are. Like I said, there's people that are joining early. There's people that are joining young. And I think it's important too, for people to understand, like, it's not just combat arms, right? Like there's so many roles and civvy roles. And you, if you're, if you work at an airport right now and you do air traffic control operations, why not do it in that in, in with the military, right? Like there's so many civvy jobs that are like transferable and stuff like that. And yeah, I think it's just people just need to more avenues like you, right? People need more information to just kind of know because yeah, it's hard. And you get there and you're like, I didn't even know. You know how many times I was like, that's a job? Like that's a job in the military. You get they pay you to do that. Like I didn't even know, right? Like there's just so much opportunity it's crazy right so if you want to do it pull the trigger like worst case it doesn't work for you and and so what right but like the experiences and opportunities and yeah it's 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 unique <laughs> for sure and one other thing to mention going off that is there are so many roles that you probably don't know exist <laughs> that could be good for you like I really think for most people there could be something in the calf that you would like to do or be interested in doing like anything from like photography to inventory to combat engineering to like medical things anything. there's so many things if you're a musician and you want to play percussion yes. in the military band like literally anything chefs cooks like clerks like dentists whatever a, like whatever a normal city essentially needs to operate is what a military base needs to operate right like people working in the stores you need kit you need equipment there's people that work at cash registers essentially right like it's all the same it's all the same right yeah so final notes i would say if there's something that you're interested in doing in the military look into it take action on it take the smallest actionable step that you can like today because I find so many people that I come into contact with, they've been thinking about, thinking about, thinking about for a long time, trying to get more and more information. Let me tell you, there's a limited amount of information that you can get on the Canadian Armed Forces. And at some point, you just have to decide that you're going to do it now and start. And then you can be one of the people who shares information later for other people to follow. And Absolutely. 
I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So thank you so much for being here today. And we look forward to seeing more of your comments in the Facebook group chat. And you guys can also talk to him there as well. Thanks so much for all the content you shared and all the experiences that you shared today. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kara. Thanks. Have a great day.